I said, what you know about it? It's the stew, baby. Got the knees and blocks. Young stew, baby. And the room a lot. Hello, hello. You're listening to The Stew. My name is Jason Stewart. This is my food podcast. Say this hello. This is the food podcast. Andre Conoparo, say hello. Hello. My brother's not here. He's working. <coughs> Rest in peace, Stewie. We have one guest, Adam Roberts. Say hello. Hey, how's it going? It's going very well, Adam. You're my neighbor. I was yeah. going to say guest and neighbor. I know. I didn't have to come very far to get here. I no. literally walked you're four the f- houses down. You're, you're the first person who just walked here. Oh, really? How does it feel for you? It's all, it almost seems too easy. What's yeah, the catch? I know. There's got to yeah. be something going on. There's no stakes. It's just like, oh, this Are guy Are you going to steal something from my house? What's going to happen? At water represent. I'll be like your creamer. I'll just come like barging in whenever oh, yeah. you know, whenever I have yeah. no idea. Yeah. Cup of sugar. I've always wanted a Kramer. <laughs> uh-huh. And I feel like you're a safe Kramer. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Like I don't yeah. have to worry about you barging in. Right. Like, right. I, would, I would like I would like le- trust you with the key to my house. Definitely. Oh, wow. That, that's nice. He didn't nice. ask for one, but I think that's so a So I need a dog quality. sitter for Coachella. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Was where this is going. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. Um. How are you with animals? <laughs> Um. Yeah. I mean, just hit the mini blinds and stuff. Like, you don't have to do a big dust, but like, just... there is a good pet sitter that I use because I have a cat, a transgendered cat, which I can tell you about. Oh, please um, do. But um... that's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, her name's Carla. She's great. She comes whenever you want her to. Doesn't charge that much. <laughs> Uh, and we'll oh, I thought you were your... talking about the cat. No, 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 no. Oh, the cat will go. No, no. Carla, the cat sitter, and she's really funny because she sends these text me- messages, uh, photos of the pet yeah, sitting. like a picture of my cat, and she'll be like, "Meow," you know, and it's really funny. Uh, Meow, yeah. I miss you, yeah, master. Exactly. That's exactly what she does. <laughs> but real quick, my cat. Uh, well, actually, really quick before, oh, yeah, let's, yeah, I want to introduce you just to oh, yeah, where you that are. Makes more sense. Proper. Then we're going to talk. It's a food show, town. so we have to talk yeah. about your I already told you this story. That's why you're like, I don't need to hear this. No, story. no, I want to hear it. It's a, it's a great story. Then we're going to talk about your cast's new show on Amazon. But people should <laughs> know the introduction gets yes, out of the way. Yes. So you are a food blogger, original, very original food blogger, mm-hmm. amateur gourmet. Although I don't food blog anymore. You don't do it anymore. Yeah, but, but you, I did do it for 11 did... years. At the beginning. Yes. At the beginning. No, it was weird. I mean, when I started it, I didn't know what a food blog was. I just was right. starting, did? I was just starting to cook, and I had these friends that were like, you should start a blog about this. And because I was, I literally knew nothing. I grew up in a family where nobody cooked. And you're like, what is the internet? Yes. It was, <laughs> right, okay. it was around that time. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I, and so I started this food blog to just sort of document all these disasters in the kitchen, that I, you know, like, <laughs> set, you know, setting things on fire and cakes that wouldn't come out and, you know, dinner parties that didn't go very well. And, and that was the whole gimmick for the first, like, five or six years right. of doing it. And then I sort of tipped over to the point where I got kind of good at doing it. So then it was yep. more like, for sure. oh, here are some recipes you can make for your family. And then last year, I sort of transitioned into becoming a TV writer. And I went out uh, for staffing season, and I got staffed on this new ABC show called The Real O'Neills. Oh, wow. Which I've been yeah. writing on. Uh, which, is a, which is a great show. I've oh. watched a few of them on demand. Cool. I'm really enjoying it. Thanks. Yeah, I think it fits nicely into the ABC comedy block with you know, Blackish and Fresh Off the Boat. 
Yeah. It's actually interesting because yeah. my show comes on after Fresh Off the Boat, and Eddie Wong is like another food person who got an ABC show. Yeah, um, there's yeah. a connection here. There is, although I feel like he's less connected to his own show than I am to the show that I didn't create and just write. <laughs> right. <laughs> he is, I think he that's is very accurate. Somehow less connected, but he's making so much money off of it, probably. Oh, yeah. I don't oh. think he's. The little son of a gun. That unhappy about it. Yeah, have you hung out with Eddie Wong? Never, never met him. I feel like you guys. <laughs> I'll put I'll I'll connect the dots. Okay. The next time he has like a barbecue at his house, I'll invite you over, and then you guys can talk about your like Illuminati ABC foodie connection. I feel like Eddie Wong and I could not be just from what I know of him and having seen him and in interviewed. Like I oh yeah, like, you definitely will not get along. Well, that's not that. It's not that <laughs> no. no, it's not that we <laughs> won't get, get along. along. Well, here's the thing. Here's my theory about it. Like I am, he is so cool, like textbook, like a cool guy. Right. And my entire life, I've been. The, absolutely uncool like but like in a way that almost circles back around and becomes to being cool. cool i would agree yeah so it's like sort of maybe he'd respect that about me but i don't know like he's got like an interesting collection of friends when i've yeah, been yeah. to eddie's house like yeah it's he not discriminate it's but not for just our listeners, the same people you you have you have a a plaid shirt tucked into some uh, a smart khaki not khaki that's the thing is oh. like yeah these I'm are sorry. Like kind of more like jeans no 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 i i, I was concerned about that look because i think that that would be like a little too <laughs> Conservative, yeah, no. You left the Dockers at home. Yeah, yeah, no. These are these are like more jean-like brown colored pants. But the fact that you said that makes me very concerned about this whole outfit. (laughs) Those are a pair of pants that I would like to own. Okay, I have pants like that, but I'm I'm not saying that your outfit is uncool. I'm saying it's like the it couldn't be further from the way Eddie Wong dresses, which is like basketball shorts and no shirt. Yeah, I mean, I reacted the way that I did because my partner Craig, (laughs) who comes from Seattle, dresses like. Someone from Seattle wear like right. t-shirts, like, and we get into constant battles because I come from Boca Raton, Florida, where my family <laughs> is a little very, more formal. Yeah, formal. They, they, I mean, they like to get dressed up for things. So, like, there's over the ten years he and I have been together, <laughs> it's been a constant back and forth of me saying to him, "You look like a mess." Like, right. Tuck so shirt in. His idea of dressing up is the nice beanie. Uh-huh, is what you're exactly. trying to tell me? Yeah, okay. yeah. And then for me, like, it's like he's always like, "You look like." You're running for a Republican office or something, you know, like what a perfect odd couple. Opposites a trap, baby. But this outfit, like these pants, so I mean, this is a real sore subject you hit up because, like, (laughs) oh boy, I that's why we have an hour to talk. Yeah, yeah, this is our food podcast. When I I would go visit Boca, would always be like, bring a pair of khaki pants, like, bring a pair of khaki pants. And Craig, when I started dating him, was like, I hate your khaki pants, like, get rid of them, they're horrible, (laughs) don't ever wear those again. So I did. And then these, when I got these, were like, are these khaki pants? And Craig was like, no, those aren't khaki pants. Like, those are kind of jeans. They're cool denim. Yeah. Craig uh, test approved. Your podcast listeners are riveted right now. No. <laughs> they're used to this. They really are used to this food podcast, yeah, yeah. if they're still listening. Yeah, the yeah. whole point is you just you just let it rip. If you're not talking about food, but you're having fun, that's fine. Okay, yeah, I'll let you... Yeah, well, food is just one facet of our listeners. I think we oh, talked about electric cars two weeks ago for like 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, really? That gives you a reference. And yeah. do you track like, when people like stop listening like based on the, what the subject It's right about is? now. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's right about now. Okay, curious. <laughs> what we found. Yeah. All right. Yep. Well, to get back to food, let's talk about your transgender cat. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, uh, my cat's name is Lolita. I had her for Ooh. I've had her for 16 years. Okay. Very controversial name in yes. the film business. Oh, that's true. Well, her original name was Princess when I got her from the Atlanta Humane Society. Um, mm, they do great work. Yes, they do. And so I brought her home, and she's, she was a girl. She was a girl. I had her for 14 years when this happened, and then 
Last year, she came out of her kitty litter box yowling with something sticking out of her genital region. And I showed Craig, and I was like, what is that? And he's like, I have no idea. So I went to the emergency vet, and I wrote down, something is sticking out of my cat's genitals. And then when I went into the room, the guy was like laughing hysterically. He was like, that's a penis. Your cat is a boy. And he was so constipated that he pushed his penis out. Damn. Wow. That's my transgendered cat story. Wow. A few questions. Yeah. Follow-up questions. Sure. How how fluffy is your cat? Very fluffy. Okay. Super fluffy. Okay. But also, like, I've heard... So she can tuck. Yeah. She, she's very good at tucking. <laughs> she folds it back. I get it. But I think most cats are... It's like an internal organ, I think. Yeah. Like how many cat yeah. penises have you seen in your lifetime? None. Today? None. <laughs> well, after this podcast, hopefully one. Oh, yeah. you're going to go Google it? You'll, <laughs> yeah. you'll Google it when you, you get home. Come on, receive Lolita. Com- yeah, yeah. Compare, yeah, compared to other animals of the kingdom, uh-huh. the cat... You don't really notice it. Yeah, that's right. So no name change when the penis Mr. came out. Mr. Lolita. Mr. Lolita. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you are. That's, yeah, that's also, the, is there a more transgender name than Mr. To, Lolita. to give your cat? Mr. Yeah. Lolita. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's, it's, it, kind of, it kind of fits perfectly. Does Mr. Lolita have a one-woman show? <laughs> a one-man show? You've got to be sensitive with your pronouns. <sighs> Have you that's noticed? Not a have is she at Tam O'Shanter's <laughs> every Tuesday? Is that is that the situation? <laughs> She's at Hamburger Mary's happy hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing it all. Have no. you noticed that our neighborhood is a transgender neighborhood? No, I have not. Maybe at, I just have At the noticed. end of my street over here, at the very end, mm-hmm. there was there's a house there that was like it just got remodeled in the last year. Mm-hmm. It's like all nice and fancy looking. But it used to be like a I think like a halfway house for transgendered people in in need of help. Uh-huh. So when I first moved here, there were like this, the whole neighborhood was crawling with with transgender people. Now, as straight men, I'm just assuming here you guys are straight men. Guilty. When you see, what uh, you say, bro? <laughs> when you see a woman walking down the street, that let's say like she wants it. Well, no, let's say like you're kind <laughs> of sure this is a male to female a transgendered person, but you find them very attractive. Let's just say, like, you know, it's very, it's an effective transition. Yes. Okay. Would, so you, you know it, this person was originally a man, but you're like, damn, well, great work. Yeah. Like, very. But is that like a deal breaker for you? Or are you like, that's it? Like, once you hear, or once you've become aware that this person used to be a man. That's a good question. Where you, did you just be like, no, not, not going there? Or if it's so effective in this, and she is so beautiful, would you be, okay. Well, I'll, that's, I'll, putting, that's putting a big emphasis on beauty. In the sense that... And also a wonderful person. And a wonderful person. Like, <laughs> and also surgery. Hmm? And also surgery. Yeah, yeah, that's surgery. No, I'm saying, like, for all intents and purposes, this is a post-operative <laughs> male-to-female transgendered woman who is, has, checks all the boxes for sure, you that sure, you would sure. normally have checked. The only difference is you get the information... You guys seem very uncomfortable right no, now. No, no, no. I'm just thinking, like... <laughs> I'm not uncomfortable if that's, like, I'm that's, not a, saying, that's a real... I'm not saying no, mm-hmm. but it's also a conversation I've never had to have with myself in a way that yeah. like yeah, I've same for me. I've never like, thought of I've never thought of that. Definitely not a hard no, but I'd be like, wow, how would I respond to this? This could be a new podcast for you guys where you make that happen and then talk about it each week. I'm cutting my dick I, off. <laughs> I have a hard enough time torpedoing one. Sorry, mom. One <laughs> podcast a week. I don't know if I could really do a horrible <laughs> no, job on two. No, that would be exhausting. You guys are doing great. <laughs> that is a great question, though. Oh, thank you. Like yeah. that's a that's a really good question that I. You've really never thought about that. Like, don't no. you ever? Like, did you watch Transparent? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've seen it. So like, there are like male to female transgendered women on that show who are very attractive. Like like her, uh, what's her name? Uh, Jeffrey Tambor's character, right? Like goes to like a lunch at one point and is there with yep uh, a woman who gets hit on by Jeffrey Tambor's old friend. Yep. But like, so we, okay, so that actress, like, if she came up to you and flirted with you, would you just be like? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm I'm very particular when it comes to like beauty is like so if I saw an, an absolutely gorgeous woman walking down the street, I'd kind of be like, eh, all right, mm-hmm. you're pretty. Where I wouldn't like pull. I, I mean, I know people that would like pull the car over and try and figure out a way to have a conversation T- with tongue her, hanging out of their mouth like right. a dog. But if I saw or talked to somebody that really down. kind of like, <laughs> if I talked to somebody that like really connected on. Like a a comedic and sensibility level, oh, okay. then it's like, oh, all right, what's going on here? Mm, I'm going really to chase this down. Comedy is an aphrodisiac for you. A thousand percent. That's so interesting. Like the first quality. So Sarah Silverman, like you're kind of. She's up there. I like her. I think yeah. she's like she's kind of always on, mm-hmm. and I can't I can't do that. Oh, I've never met her though, so I don't know what she's so like. You in need person. a comedy person who's really funny but not always on. Yes. Well. And disclosure is I've had the same girlfriend for eight years. Oh, okay. I missed who's that also who's is she a, transgender? She's a, she's not, <laughs> but she is a writer for film and television. Okay, which makes her double dip in some ways. Uh, uh, no, yeah. but she's hysterically funny and and very pretty. Gotcha. Maggie, shout out. It's true. But that's the that's the thing where it's like I you know I'm not. The one who slams the brakes on on the car mm-hmm. driving by somebody. I I commend you, Andre, for taking this question. And somehow flipping it into a way to make you look like uh, you care about what's inside. Yeah, I'm not it's on the inside. Yeah. yeah, that was a good flip. Yeah. Very good well done. I practiced. Yeah. I practiced a lot this morning. <laughs> I mean, I, I knew this question was coming. Oh, about transgendered women. Wow. Sense of humor yeah. is such a turn on for guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, all right, Adam. Back to food. Yeah. Let's look. Great question. Sh- Thank you. Yeah. Well played, it's sir. It's not my podcast. I'm just here well as a played. guest, so no, no, that's great. you guys steer the ship. Well, you, your, your, your blog that you don't do anymore, mm-hmm. Amateur Gourmet, was it like, did it get to a point where that was your full-time job and you were making a living off of it for ad sales and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, my story is I basically, the short version is I went to law school to please my parents after I came out of the closet to them as a junior in college, I was a little like, give and take. Yeah, I was sort of like, well, I took the dream of a wife away from them, so I'll give them the dream of being a doctor or a lawyer. And, and then, w- and then quickly stole that away as yeah, well. Yeah, well, no, I went to law school. Wait, your was, parents yeah, are Asian? Yeah, that, <laughs> no one can see me right now, but yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, we were very Jewish Boca Ratonians, and uh, so I went to law school. I absolutely hated it, but I started cooking there because I was so miserable, and so I, I started my blog in my third year of law school, and also in my third year, I wrote a play just on a lark, which I submitted to NYU's dramatic writing program, Damn. and I... Triple threat, Adam Roberts <laughs> over here. Seriously. So then I got accepted, and so I, when I graduated law school, I moved to New York to go to NYU to study dramatic writing and TV writing. And while I was there, weirdly, the food blog, which was just a hobby, kind of took off and got really popular. Uh, the big the thing that happened was, um, actually, that was the year that Janet Jackson had shown her boob at the Super Bowl. There you go. So my blog had about... It was about, a long time ago. Yeah, 2004. So I had about like 100 people reading my blog a day. And then uh, when that happened, I made a Janet Jackson breast cupcake um, mm. that had a Hershey kiss in the middle and a nipple shield made of white icing. Uh, <laughs> and I put that on the internet. And it went viral. 
in a way that like I couldn't anticipate. Like it was sort of like you know I, I went to school that day and I came home and I'd had like a hundred thousand hits. Um, it was on collegehumor.com. It was all these websites. And then CNN, uh, this is when I still lived in Atlanta, came over and did a whole report. Jeannie Moose uh, came to the house. Came to my house because it was about like the, the, the whole follow-up to the Janet Jackson scandal, and they included the cupcake in the whole piece. So it was just like went from zero They're to They're even making cupcakes about this. <laughs> exactly. So the blog suddenly had this huge wow. audience. Uh, and so when I was in New York, as much as I was in school studying playwriting and uh, dramatic writing, I... Uh, had all these readers like reading all about my culinary adventures. So at some point, a literary agent approached me and asked if I wanted to write a book about food. And so in my second year of NYU, I, I sold a book to Random House, Bantam Delt, um, called The Amateur Gourmet, which was a book of essays. And so that came out in 2006. So I spent the year after NYU writing that book. And when that happened, when the book came out, the Food Network kind of caught wind of me. And they were just starting to develop their website. So they hired me to host a web show for them called The FN Dish, which was me going around like the country, like interviewing Food Network stars at culinary festivals, and so I went oh, to shit. South Beach Food and Wine. I went to the, I mean, it was, it, it was that was actually the craziest year of my life, because I was not equipped to be a Food Network personality in the way that people who are Food Network personalities prepare to be Food Network personalities. Right. But they didn't know how to position me, so there was this moment uh, right before I got fired, where they flew, <laughs> <laughs> where they flew me to Las Vegas. Uh, and they had me do a cook-off in front of Caesar's Palace. It was like a celebrity cook-off that people paid tickets for. And it was Todd English and Lorraine Bracco versus me and the chef from the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. <laughs> and uh, Wait, did, who won? Uh, Todd English and Lorraine Bracco. Never would have seen that Yeah, coming. but it was this insane thing where it's like, who am I? Like, what am I doing? Like, what, who do they think I am? You know, and I, it was a struggle, and I was so stressed out by it. But when I finished that job... Uh, I had a cookbook proposal that I'd gone out with that I sold to Artisan Books that was called Secrets of the Best Chefs, which was about, the idea was I was going to travel the country and cook with 50 well-known chefs all over and learn all their tricks and secrets and tips. And so then for the next two years after that, I wrote that book. Uh, which, which was just you getting drunk with Guy Fieri. Yeah, basically. So kind of didn't really hit the mark, you said. <laughs> no, uh, but that book ended up being really a cool experience. I got to cook with Alice Waters and cook with oh Jose Perez and, and all these amazing chefs all over the country. And then I moved here oh. and started to try to write for TV. Wow. And it seems like succeeding in everything you're trying. But that's the thing is like the book did okay, but it was not – never at any point did I do anything where I could really support myself doing it. Mm -hmm. Like I had a lot of fun at every step along the way. Uh, and this TV job is the first time I'm like, oh, like this is what like having a right. real job feels like right. and having health insurance feels like. Yes. Yeah, so, mm -hmm. so it's kind of nice. I would spend a year writing a book if that meant at the end of it I could cook with Alice Waters. Yeah, that so was really cool. That yeah. is like, absolutely, that's amazing. Yeah, that I, want, I want to know, instead of the chef tips and secrets... What are the Adam Roberts secrets? Yeah, what's the, because what's the you, life hack to yeah, succeeding you've got, this? You've got a nice story arc happening. Um, I, don't, I mean, honestly, like I think... Every Are you a super hard, hardworking person? I'm hardworking, but I would say like if it feels like they were successful along the way, it, it was always because I guess I was really authentic about what I was into or interested in mm -hmm. in that moment. So it wasn't like I started a food blog because I thought that was going to lead to a Food Network job or a cookbook, mm -hmm. but I started the food blog because I was genuinely passionate yeah. about it. Mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah, so every step along the way, I was eager and excited to be doing the thing I was doing. It was genuine. It was genuine. And then when I had to write writing samples to get hired on, on the ABC show, like I wrote these things that I'd always 
thought would be funny ideas, and I just wrote them as script. And so that, and I think I think you just have to be authentic about what you do. Mm-hmm. So you're saying no halfway crooks, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, or another way to put it, like I another people, way to put it. <laughs> well, I think people who are um, eye on the prize constantly are always thinking, like, I want to get there, I want to get there. Right. I think that's the problem. It's like if you're constantly striving, people see through that, right. and it's nobody wants to hire that person or. You don't want to hire the person who's willing to do anything to get Just, their stardom. Yeah, if it's know. all about that, then it's not about the actual thing sure. itself. Anyway, that guy kind of about deep. the journey, not the destination. Yeah, it's, it's also very singular. It's a, it's a, it's a person could potentially be said that isn't well-rounded, didn't come to it organically, but is like laser focused on one thing. And uh-huh. you're like, so you bring to the table. Just wanting this, as yeah. Opposed to life experience. I'm very or... interested in being rich. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, I feel like LA. Unfortunately, like I feel like LA is full of those people. That I mean, hundred percent. Yeah, I just meet people all the time, and it's like, and you just see the hunger. It's like they want fame and fortune. And it's like, but what's what's this like? Don't do you enjoy Why? doing the thing yeah. that you're doing? Like, yeah. do you like acting? Do you like writing? Or do you just want to have your name on? in a movie or something mm-hmm. so. so you're saying I could get my name on a movie <laughs> uh, this is where it starts alright yeah I'm listening do you feel like your food background has ha- have you like slipped food references into the TV show that's a great question script writing well I will say the food background really helped me in all my meetings that led to the job like because I had to meet you know executives who had to give a thumbs up to me or for me before I could go meet the showrunners and mm-hmm. every conversation I had when I was like I was a food writer like oh what restaurants do you like what, what do you mm. cook and it's like it's such a natural people very just nice love to talk about food so it weirdly served me well and then in the sh- it's in like the- sports for gay people <laughs> exactly. yeah it kind of is yeah <laughs> that's very true um and I would also add Jewish people too. Yeah. And Jewish people, sure, sure, yeah, sure. which basically all of Hollywood. But yeah, <laughs> that was that. You're gonna delete this podcast now. Um, but yeah, the in terms of the episode, it was funny because like my episode that went up this Tuesday, like originally had a whole food element, but then that got cut. So uh, no! and I'm kind of happy, like you know, not make that everything. I kind of. Like right. to keep the worlds a little separate. So. Mm-hmm. Cheap from getting pigeonholed as the uh, the comedy food guy. Yeah, because that's not really. Let's bring get him in to punch up this cooking episode. What do you say? <laughs> yeah, there's not that many of those out there. So <laughs> no, I don't it's think so. A little too niche, even for me. So yeah. <laughs> so no, you not a, a single brulee or a in my episode. Mm-hmm. Or like on the show, just on the show. In general. Yeah, there was a little moment where the gay kid on the show goes on a camping trip with his dad and brother, and then I, we have a little gag where like he makes like Mexican drinking chocolate instead of hot chocolate, <laughs> with whipped cream in it, and it has like a little garnish. He adds. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm actually working on a screenplay right now, all about a cookbook editor, uh, a gay cookbook editor who loses his job and then teaches his friend's son how to cook. So it's sort of like a father-son cooking. It's kind of like approaching food from a different angle. It's like chef meets sex in the city. I get it. <laughs> sex in the I city. Like it. Um, okay. Maybe more like about Fair a boy. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it has a little bit... Like I wanted to write about the world that I don't think I've ever seen in a movie or a TV show, which is like the publishing world of food people. Like mm-hmm. yeah. he's like really... Like Judith Jones, who is um, Julia Child's editor for years. Mm-hmm. And that whole culture of really sophisticated New Yorkers who cook these amazing meals... You know, have dinner parties, and they, but it's not so much about restaurants and like on the line cooking. It's more about being like literary and right. that whole culture, which I just don't think. Yeah, that's one before. world that I mean, I'm a food enthusiast, and I I have no knowledge of that world too I'm, much. I just learned about it just now. Oh, how do you so, feel? Are you I mean, gonna buy tickets? No, no, I'm like, <laughs> but I feel like though, like that world is something that existed like in the '60s, '70s, '80s, maybe more so than it did now, mm-hmm. than it does now, like. 
Because it seems like like in the 70s you would have like a 60-year-old French woman that seemingly made millions of dollars just like talking about dinner parties yeah. and, and... An English woman cooking French food. It right. is true. It's like I, I feel like there's not as much of a... I feel like that job in 2016 pays $39,000 a year or something Absolutely. like that. You know what I mean? No, you're totally right. And that's a whole generation of like food writers and people who are trying to... Like Jacques Pepin... You know who was of that generation? Like now he has his PBS show. Yep. But like he, um, which is great. It is great. I, lo- uh, I mean, I love it. Maybe my favorite cooking show on PBS. But it's like they're trying to like put that out, you know, like clips from it on YouTube and have yeah. those go viral. You know, it's like he's trying to play the same game that like twenty year olds are playing now. Yeah. And it's like he's a legend. And yeah. To, to stay Does he relevant. Have to he's like, do this? hello, YouTubers, it's me. <laughs> yeah. Basically, I mean, that's, that's where <laughs> Don't forget at. to smash that like. Okay, bye bye. No, smash that like button. Well, so even when you watch Top Chef. And you watch some of those judges, like Ruth Reichel on Top Chef when she was a judge, or was that Top Chef Masters, or was that just Top Chef? Mm. Whatever she was a judge on, it was like, wow, like there was probably a moment for her where she was, like in the beginning of all that, right. where she was like, I would never in a million years ever be a judge on a reality show. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then cut to like three years later, and there she is. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And, you know, it, it's just gone on so long, I think we it, it's just an institution now. But when you look at that show, especially Top Chef, and you see the people on it, and you just made this point, but you're like, why are you on this mm-hmm. show? Like, is there, I mean, it's like hard to name a chef of, of a caliber that isn't that has not been on that show. Yeah. Michelin starred. Uh, they're, not, they're not getting empires. paid anything. Like, well, it was it's interesting. nuts. Uh, what's his name? Um, John George and... Uh, what's his Charlie Palmer were just on the finale. Yep. Did you guys see that? Yeah. Oh, you did not. It. But, it, but it was fascinating because mm. even them, you can tell it's like it was like through like, gritted uh, teeth, like they were like willing to do because they had to be the sous chefs for their former employees who mm-hmm. were now like yep. in the finals. <laughs> and you could just tell there was something about it, like especially like, Charlie Palmer, like he was just like barely getting through. They're just it. like I've built empires, <laughs> yeah. and it's just like, hey Charlie, yeah. let's get those onions a little bit finer. Yeah, go Thanks, slice bud. some onions for me. I mean, it was kind of a cool. T- it, was, it was sort of like the power of, of Top Chef, sort of saying, okay, like you big shots, like. Mm-hmm. You know, even you guys have to come on here to promote your brand. I was watching a doc. This is going to be a bad story because I can't even remember the name of the movie. But I was watching a documentary that's on Netflix right now about uh, a chef who used to work for Charlie Palmer, and um, I think was the head chef when this documentary starts at the Peninsula Hotel. And it's about him oh, starting his own. I restaurant. cooked with him for my book. You're kidding? Yes. What's his name? Give me a second. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Good. Now I don't feel bad about not remembering <laughs> yeah, I it. Forget too. <clears throat> but there's a moment in this documentary. So it's basically all about. Him opening up his new place, and then it kind of goes into a family tragedy when he's growing up, and it's kind of a a, a weird mix mm-hmm. of his life story in, in a restaurant in the restaurant business. And I don't think it really works that well. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a moment. So he used to cook for Charlie Palmer. He left, and then there was like this class action lawsuit that he wasn't a part of, but actually got lumped into. So really? he received a settlement. Because without he got actually ab- abused by Charlie Palmer? It was like man hours and tipping. and they don't. Really, uh, this yeah. is a short part of the doc. It's only like five minutes they talk about it. But the reason they talk about it is because right before he's opening the place, he goes back to eat at Charlie Palmer's like two nights before it closes for good. Oh, and his name is Curtis Duffy. Yes. Yes. That sounds right. Yes. And so there's you know kind of grainy video footage of him walking up and I don't know why they were shooting this. He walks up. Charlie Palmer meets him at the door and says, get the fuck out of my restaurant. In the, in the documentary? Really? Yeah. Because he, he walks up and he's like, hey, Charlie. And he shakes hands. He's like, hey, nice to see you. You sued anybody today? He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, really? I cut you a check for 50 grand. Get the fuck out of my restaurant. And he's screaming at really? him. Really? And he's just like, wow. 
That's amazing. All right. Uh, I'm going to keep watching. Okay. I started watching it, but I didn't get through it. But he, that was, it's a fascinating, I started, saw the beginning of it, because when I met Curtis Duffy, he was at the Peninsula Hotel, and I yep. cooked with him, but he was like this visionary. He was like making this food that like, was yeah. out, like it looked like it came from outer space. Very was, food forward, very gastro. Yeah, like, like, like he had like a fishbowl with like layers of like foams. It was just really beautiful, yeah. and and you could just tell he was so hungry to be yes. like the next big thing. And so I guess that's that's what that documentary is about. Yeah, they talk about his personality too. I mean, like he's the guy who works fifteen hours mm-hmm. but gets up at four in the morning to work out for two hours every day before he does that. And you're saying yeah. everyone hates that guy. That is a driven man. And he was a little. It was a little hard for me because my whole book was about adapting chef's recipes for the home cook so when i went to him it was sort of just like here's like you know we're gonna make like a sheet of glass made out of like sucrose and it's like okay nobody's gonna do that at home but step one get liquid nitrogen but funny enough like one of the things he made was like this incredible deconstructed corn soup that had like finger limes and all these things but the actual corn soup itself was really something you could do at home which was you just cut fresh corn off the cob you blend it with water, the raw corn. You press it through a sieve into a pot, and then you cook it on high heat and whisk it the whole time. Mm. And, it, and the starch from the corn thickens it, so it almost becomes oh. like a custard, and then you refrigerate it. It's amazing. Wow. Mm. So there you go. It's, like, it's like soft scrambled corn. Yeah. But you, because of the you know, sieving it, like it gets rid of all the right. like, gross stuff. And seasonally, you're doing it with sweet corn, so yeah, it's got a summer. natural, really beautiful sweetness to yeah, it. Yeah, it was really, really good. Well, who's in the mood for corn yeah, soup, guys? Let's do it. Listen, it is Friday. <laughs> yeah. um, do you listen to any other food podcasts, Adam? Well, I listen to Zach Brooks's because we're friends. Food is the new, food is rock. new rock. One of the worst food podcasts. <laughs> <out there. laughs> I'm trying to think, like, do I listen to any other food? No, I don't listen to any other food podcasts. So. What about other podcasts in general? Oh yeah, I listen to WTF. I like Mark Maron. Yeah. Okay. Um, I listen to Alec Baldwin's podcast. Does that still happen? It does. And what I love about Alec Baldwin's podcast. Is that it has Alec Baldwin? That's yeah, all I need. Well, a, it's that which is he's a great character to just kind of enjoy and listen to. But he got accused of being homophobic because he called the paparazzi f, the f. I don't know if I could say it, but like the you gay bashing f word. I'm not going to even say it. Yeah, but don't it's a terrible to say word. It. But he called it a paparazzi, and so he's accused of being homophobic. And hilariously, his lineup of his podcast are like absolute like gay. He had like Debbie Reynolds, Patty Lapone. Like there was this whole <laughs> sequence where like all his guests. We're like gay icons, and right. he, without any like a two piecer with share. Yeah, but basically, and it's like so. I love his podcast because he brings in the, like Elaine Stritch, like people that I love because I'm like yes. a total theater queen. So like yeah. I love everyone like that. I'm going to see, see Patty these people Lepone. are so gay. I don't even know who they are. Oh, they don't even know. I'm seeing Patty Lapone in concert tonight. I know these by the way, wow. So when you guys talked about being punk rock in your teenage years. Uh-huh. Like that's my version of punk rock. Yeah. It Mon- is a yeah. very similar version of punk rock when you think about like. How kind of niche it is against the norm. Do you guys know who Patty Lapone is? I do. He does. You, I don't. You don't know who Patty Lapone is? Well, I'm. I might. You would. You would totally sprinkle me with some hits. Evita on Broadway. Okay. So she sang "Don't Cry for Me, Argentina." Sure. Yeah. Uh, you might know her from television's "Life Goes On," which was the show in the <laughs> '90s. She was the mother on that show. Okay. More recently, she won the Tony Award for Gypsy uh, on Broadway, which probably doesn't mean anything to you, but she kind of had a viral moment because she yelled at somebody who took pictures or was shooting video during the show. It's a diva. And she stopped the whole show and she she started screaming, stop taking pictures. And it's like a whole YouTube thing that you can watch. Did she get a standing O for that yell? Yes. And it was a big moment. Yeah. So she is punk rock in her way. And and multiple PBS like live from Uh where she's doing show tunes, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So So if you guys want to come tonight, I mean, it's going to be pretty rocking. There's a mosh pit. Where's it at? 
the Alice something center in Beverly Hills, hmm. Schoenenberg Center or something. Oh, you know? this is going to be an event. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My khaki <laughs> pants are going to pay off. I'll fit right in. Yeah. <laughs> You'll blend. Yeah. Um, you you got married last year. I did. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And my I, friend uh, Ryan O'Connell went there. Oh yeah, he came to our wedding. And yeah. he he actually did my other podcast like maybe the day after your wedding. Oh, did he talk about it on the podcast? He talked about it a little bit. What did he have like, to say? Was it positive or did he? No, get it was positive. I, it was just him saying like how hungover he was <laughs> okay. because he went to a gay wedding and, yeah. and it was a whole thing. Nobody left sober. Yeah, I mean, we we had a yeah an open bar, mm-hmm. which I guess you would have at a wedding. Yeah. But, not always, yeah. but preferred. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Well, it was funny because so Craig, um, my partner, is a uh, filmmaker, and we moved to LA for you know he, he directed the movie The Skeleton Twins. I don't know if you guys oh yeah have seen that saw it in the theaters. Absolutely. Oh, cool. So yeah, so he you know we, we're here for him, but basically like neither of us like we're big like wedding people or big. Um, fanfare like even like i don't know we weren't that engaged on that subject but you didn't even celebrate easter this year we didn't even celebrate yeah uh but we um what happened was like when gay marriage happened which i guess was what happened in california before it happened because we got married before the supreme court decision which just happened this past summer uh but i wanted to get you know i just wanted to get like city hall married like just to go to city hall the dream the document because like my biggest fear which like for gay people was a real fear especially like 10 years ago or 20 years ago is like you'd be in the hospital and like dying in, in yeah. your hospital bed and like your partner couldn't come even come into the room to see you so right. there's mm. things like that and i just wanted craig to have rights and you know and just be able to mm-hmm. know that so but his whole thing was he wanted a party he's like i want a party if we're gonna have a wedding i want a party i want to invite like everyone i've ever met and, ever, and, sure. I, and, and he's more of an extrovert and weirdly i, I can be more <laughs> introverted so like the idea of a party with like 150 people stressed me out i am the exact same way yeah and also like i'm more of a planner so like i was like if we do have a party. I'm going to plan. You can do the heavy lifting. Every aspect of it. So, do you have a spreadsheet? Uh, yes, we had everything. Okay, <laughs> but the the moment where it all turned, are you my girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> the moment where it all turned, though, is like Craig is really into um, animals and like lizards and like that kind of like. You know, he used to work at a science center, so I went. To, I heard he's somebody, a big lizard head. Yeah, he loves lizards. He's a reptophilia. A rept- yeah. Kind of his thing. Uh, so we, I heard from a friend that you can get married at the Natural History Museum here in L.A., that they do weddings there. Mm-hmm. So and it's an amazing the, place for weddings. Yes, yeah, so that was the moment where I told Craig, it's like, that sounds awesome. So like we mm-hmm. went to tour it, and then... The and also, they'll do some work for you when you have something like in place that where it's like, look, we do weddings here all the time. Yeah. You, if you can pony up this dough, we're going to make it work for you. Yeah, I feel like it's Just not nice. cheap. Yeah, it wasn't outrageous. It wasn't okay, like... Yeah. I've DJed a few parties there, and oh, okay. like when they set it all up with everything, it's such, it's like a f- it's really really, really cool. fun place to have yeah. a party. We were in the hall of African mammals, so it was like you go in there, and it's like elephants and things. It was just crazy and weird, but it was really amazing. And what was funny about it was that like leading up to it, I was stressed out, stressed out. And every, you know, people say that obnoxious thing where it's like it's going to be the best day of your life. It's going to be you know, and I was right. like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Like secretly, I was like, I can't wait for this to be over. Like, I got I'm so stressed out with my family and Craig's family. It's, and, it's more fun for everyone else. So, but but I will say like, and I'm somebody uh, despite what I'm wearing, like, who hasn't done a lot of drugs in my life. <laughs> um, no. But literally from the moment we got to the venue the night of the wedding, I felt like I'd taken some. Like, I felt like I was floating because it was oh. just. It was just this charged of uh, there was just so much goodwill natural high yeah, you felt think, like what Beyonce feels like before she goes on stage yeah that's what it felt but also like 
the fact that it was a gay wedding, and for a lot of the people that came to the wedding, they, this was their first gay wedding, especially like my extended family and oh, yeah. Greg's family and their friends. So like, there was just almost like this, like even more so than just a wedding. It felt like people were excited to to be there for this cool thing. You're, yes. you're part of a, a a progressive thing that's happening. You're, you're, you feel the movement forming. Yeah, and that's like, like, historically like this was yeah. the period like where this was first happening. Right. You know, so to be so like people were applauding during the oh, ceremony and stuff. It was really kind of cool. Don't make me cry. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the food at your wedding Don't though. Make me cry. Uh, we used we had a caterer heirloom LA. Do you know them? Oh yeah, yeah. So great. it was a gay wedding. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that? Why are they? Very I don't gay? know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like pulling off all the stops, I feel like that's a. It was actually very funny because um, my parents helped pay for the wedding, and so like we, we were trying to make it easy on them, and uh, so like I gave them options, like things that we'd be up for, and so we were friends with. Do you know Noah Galutin uh, from yeah. Bloodsoes? Uh, he's done the show as well. Oh, yeah. He's awesome. I love yeah. Noah. So, you know, like, I, Craig and I were like, oh, because of this venue, like, maybe it'd be fun to have, like, barbecue. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that natural history and barbecue go together, but... You're well, around animals, you said, in the way. Chewing yeah. on a, yeah. chewing yeah. On a okay. dinosaur bone kind of feel. So, like, we kind of set that up as, like, option one, like, we would have, like, Bloodsoe's barbecue, and option two is, like, the fancier great. option, which is heirloom LA, right. which is much, much more expensive. Did you have lasagna cupcakes? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, set, I set up this weekend. My parents came to town, and, like, on Friday, we did the tasting at Bledsoe's and then on Saturday we did the tasting at Heirloom and it was kind of a win-win for me because both are amazing yes. I would have been very can't happy can't go wrong with either but my sure. mom is like always like her personality is like if there's like a fancier thing she's going to want to do that <laughs> so she was like I just don't I just can't imagine people eating ribs at a wedding and I was like alright if you want to do Heirloom then that's you know if that's what you're choosing like that's nice yeah. so, so did you the tasting was just like at their catering event or, or their catering the space heirloom, I mean because the, they don't have a Heirloom doesn't have a restaurant right yeah they have a truck. If you just drive up um, <clears throat> to Eagle Rock that way, they do have they have a beautiful. I mean, t- oh, talk about like a killer presentation. I mean, they nailed it. Like it's like it's like you're like it basically feels like you're in like a first class lounge. Mm-hmm. It's like this beautiful room that's beautifully decorated. I don't know why I just went. I made a gesture like. Of, of, I'm, I mean, I'm, of I'm, mes- I'm mesmerized. It was a great gesture. Oh yeah, and then the first like a mixologist comes out and asks what kind of cocktails you like, and they, I mean. It, mm-hmm. it was a brilliant. But again, this is not. A, they don't have a restaurant, right? This is like no. their. This is their entertaining space for people coming to get. This know, is where they come to, to weddings. Sell and, the parents on. So your your mom's credit card was out before the meal was even yeah. done. Just like, here's here. the here's the question. Here's the life hack. Can you pretend to potentially? have them for a wedding and get this service. Did you have to pay money yes. for the tasting? Oh, yeah. Okay. They're very smart oh, about okay. it. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. You have to make a deposit. Because I was going to say, Jason, we should go there for lunch today and just let <laughs> but them you guys, know. You, know, you guys should do. That's a great podcast that you should podcast from that. You should be like, I want to have you guys. Because the guy who runs it is a really interesting guy. Can we do that? Yes, Jason, can we do that? He does like all this charitable work, too. Like He, he like... I forgot what the, the charities they do, but like they, they work with kids and they do it's really cool stuff. So you should definitely have them on your podcast. Mm, and, uh, we're on this. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, we'll do a mock tasting. Yeah, in exchange for free promotional uh, behavior. You're gonna get a lot of mm, <laughs> on it. Yeah, as somebody who hosted a podcast once where people ate during the podcast. Yeah, it's kind of disgusting to listen to people eat while. Oh yeah, it's, when you talk to people about food podcasts, like the number one failure usually is like. Oh, we did a po- we were gonna eat while we do the podcast, yeah. so we can talk about what's going on. And you're just like, don't do that. No, I know it's gross. Or they're like, yeah, when you have when you like have your earbuds in and you're at the gym or you're on a hike and all you hear is just like, yeah, <laughs> it's just I know, it's I bad. I, yeah, I mean, most of my podcasts, though, like the good parts that I edited in were um, the parts where that wasn't happening, but there mm. was a couple of moments where sure. it was gross. 
And the clinking and the yeah, like the, the knife the, the scraping, knife, yeah, all of that. Yeah, it's awful. Um, let's talk about. <clears throat> let's see here. I have some notes here. Oh, we met when we had lunch with Phil Rosenthal. Yeah, that was really fun. And, and, and Mayan, is that how you say it? Yeah, Mayan. Mayan, It's uh, I think, yeah, Jonathan Gold just reviewed it like a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago, yeah. It was mm-hmm. enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that. Right? You're talking about the company or the food or? Both? I haven't gone. I heard the company was horrible. Food was pretty very good. uncomfortable. But what, was it weird? Because I was like, like Phil Rosenthal yeah. is like a crazy celeb, yeah, legend, he, legendary person. But you very, he's in, in the TV writing world. Yeah. I would say like people, he probably doesn't get recognized on the street, right? Which maybe, is, but maybe because there's a doc and he's now he's got the food. Now show. he does, but I think that's the perfect kind of fame. Like the I mean, best kind of yeah, fame. if you can like. Create everyone loves Raymond and make that kind of money oh, and yeah. have this kind of work that is out there that everyone has seen, but you don't get bothered. I think that's pretty wonderful. But now he's it's ideal. Out. Yeah. What were you we going to ask? About? I was going to ask. What was was it hard to like? Do you talk to him about food or do you talk to him about TV? <laughs> um, we talked mostly about food. Yeah. But you were there. What, what I was. I was about? there, but yeah. I was. I was wondering like, he's got like this guy who's the king of TV comedy. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like an elephant being in a room with an ant. Like, right, I'm a right, staff right. writer on a new show. But, it's kind of, but you're like, <laughs> do I talk to him about like, yes, I enjoy it. Have you tried this burrito There was one place? moment like where I, I tried to connect with him about TV later. Like, because like 99% of the conversation was about food and we were talking yeah. about where we like to eat. And we had a great, we had a great conversation about... Um, uh, what was it called? Uh, Everybody loves Raymond. Uh, that, no, I'm no, just little, oh, broken <laughs> Spanish downtown because I think that's oh. one of the best meals I've had in a long time. Um, but then, like at some moment, I did this obnoxious thing. Like we were just standing, and I was like, "Hey, I have this friend that um, says he knows you that worked on my show," and he was like, "I don't know who that is." And then <laughs> there was just like radio silence. Yeah, do you think then, he probably is just so desensitized to people talking yes. to him about TV stuff? Just like, yeah, I got a. Although new I did show. have like, a, hey, actually, hey. no, we had a good conversation because I did say to him, like, I was like, "So have you ever tried to merge your interest in food?" with your ability to develop amazing TV shows. Like, have you ever wanted to create a show about like, people working in a restaurant? Or, and he was like, absolutely not. He's like, because people are interesting. Like, it's, it's always about the people. Like, the food doesn't matter. It's, mm-hmm. Like, shows about people. And, that, and I thought that was so interesting because there have been so many attempts to do, like, Kitchen Confidential and right. yep. all those people are constantly, because they're trying to build off this, like, zeitgeist of everyone being fascinated by food, but it hasn't really paid off yeah the bradley so, what was the bradley cooper one burnt burnt yeah so actually Rough. that was really interesting to talk about that that is interesting yeah yeah and it, it hasn't really been done because like i don't really care about the people on chef mm-hmm. the movie chef but, i mean that right. did really well though that actually, yeah. it did really well yeah. but it didn't really make any sense to me <laughs> but there, there was a human story there right because he was like getting yes. divorced yeah he was, son. Like, connecting with his son yeah but yeah. there was a lot of weird stuff going on that just didn't, Wasn't didn't work for you. Me, right? Do you have a favorite food movie? I don't know. Just That's, say Big Night and be done yeah, with it. Yeah, Big Night is mine. Yeah. Come on, Big Night. Well, that and He's actually pissed. my favorite. That's not even that much of a food movie, though. Do you know what my favorite food movie is? It's not what? a food movie. That is a food movie. What are you what? talking about? Somebody was just talking about how like oh, it's it, everyone thinks it's a food movie, but the amount of like f- cooking food that's in it is actually very minimal. Well, yeah. I mean, like... But there's no food movie that you can say has a lot of food cooking in it because that's not a movie. I mean, that's what's the what's the Japanese noodle movie? Uh, Eat, drink, man, woman. It's like oh no, I know exactly what you're talking about, but I've never seen it. It's I think it was like from the '80s. Yeah, Japanese noodle movie. My favorite food movie is Albert Brooks's Defending Your Life. Ah, because you can eat whatever you want. That's right. Get fat and. 
It's all delicious. The movie is called Tempopo. Tempopo. I've never seen that. I've never seen it either. You should watch it. It's like a really bizarre kind of like spaghetti western uh-huh. meets 80s ramen thing. Okay. What? It's, it's like a bizarre <laughs> film. Wow. I've heard yeah, I've heard about it. It's from 85. Tampopo. Yeah, look at look at the artwork. It looks like some weird like I've heard. Yeah, I've definitely heard. It's supposed to be cool. But Big Night has that amazing sequence where yeah. they make that tim- tampono, a timpano, yeah. a timpano. <laughs> it's like a giant drum of like pasta and uh, like hard boiled eggs and thing, and then they flip it upside oh, yeah. down. It's baked. It's baked. And, and then... um, what's her name? Melissa Clark, who's the recipe editor for the New York Times or writer, uh, just made a video like to show you how to do it at home, like in an easier way. There was... I've been um, looking for a tampano <laughs> hack. Tampano hack, yeah. <laughs> I worked uh, in high school at a little independent movie theater in Santa Cruz. Um, and uh, so the it was independently owned, so the owner could do whatever he wanted. And he let us do midnight movies and bookings. And um, he was friends with uh, a chef, chef owner, restaurant owner in Santa Cruz. And once a year... They would play on a Friday night, big night. Mm-hmm. You'd buy the ticket, and then you'd go after the screening to the restaurant who tried to replicate the meal as close as they could. That's amazing. And it was so cool. It was, Wait, I always thought it was so nice. Why is there a place nice. like here that does like a movie and then like the dinner from I know. the movie? That's great. Let's Bever- all go the, into business together. The, right Be- now. the Beverly could do it. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like you could have done it with the Jonathan Gold documentary. Oh, like, yeah. If, if like the Gorilla Taco Truck guy just parked in front of Arclight. That would yeah. be amazing. Because everyone, everyone who saw that documentary was like... As soon as the movie was done, I instantly like wanted to go eat tacos or eat Thai food or what, whatever yes. it was. Like, you know what that, document, that documentary made me realize is that I don't know if I like eating as much as I like sitting because like <laughs> like food trucks like don't appeal to me at all because oh, okay. I don't want to stand. Interesting. But I'm, I'm with you. To, I love going to a restaurant because I could just sit and then people bring things to me. And imagine if that restaurant has a booth available. It's, yeah, oh, a booth is amazing. I love a booth. Are you Jewish? I'm not Jewish. Oh, really? Because I feel like Jewish people... Are you Jewish? No. Oh, wow. Okay. I love booths. Um, you laughed a little too hard at my anti-Semitic joke earlier um, <laughs> about Hollywood. Um, but anyway... Um, no, I just laughed that you're a TV writer and made that joke. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. All right. Um, people but, think I'm Jewish. Yeah, I, thought I, I, I had a Jewish vibe. But yeah, my family is Jewish, and I have a theory that like Jewish people love booths. Like, I think that's accurate and fair. Yeah. My mom likes... If there's a booth to be had... Um, we'll wait for the booth. Yeah, and I'm actually I'm going to meet my 97, 96 year old uncle Jerry tomorrow in Santa Monica. At Langer's, at, no. not at Langer's, at Froman's. In oh Santa yeah, okay. Monica. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. And we will ask for a booth when we get there. <laughs> the, I mean, unless it's like body type prohibitive, mm-hmm. like unless because some people don't fit at a booth. Yeah, who doesn't like a booth? Yeah, what is it about a booth? Booth is the so, Cadillac. Why? I, it's just amazing. I don't know. I think. I think. Uh, in this day and age with everything has like communal tables and minimal furniture design and kind of less comfort, you, I, I seek it out because when I think of I'm going to go enjoy a, a dinner, I'm going to spend the money, I'm going to mm-hmm. take the time out. Like I want to sit in like a booth where it's like private mm-hmm. sort of with my friends and I. We can have a conversation. An Algonquin not, round table. Yeah. I think it's like the you're womb. Not, like you're in a womb, like being cared for. Yeah. That's and a very somebody, Freudian, uh, you, you, you talk about whatever you want to talk about, yeah. and you have your inside jokes, and uh-huh. every once in a while, a person comes and fills your wine glass, and you don't have to worry about the, the person that's five inches away from you, like 
them hearing some weird things or it's private, yeah, bumping into them or something like that. That's yeah. that's my ideal. That makes sense. I think you've got so much real estate to move with too. You slide over, people are kind of trapped in. It's mm-hmm. kind of like you're just like, if you subscribe to the booth, you're going to be in that booth. Yeah. And also there's that whole thing of like not wanting your back to the door. Yep. You know, like somebody's going to come up behind you and shoot you in the head. That's right. Uh, so in a booth, you're kind of protected. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I mean, I can't name a movie, but I feel like ever since I was a kid, where you just hear about like, can you get a booth at this restaurant? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you got the booth at Sardis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, or just what, I, I can't even name the reference, but I just uh-huh. feel like when you, when you hear about like a hard restaurant to get into, it's yeah. also like, can you get the booth? There? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you don't have you to know. sit next to the bathroom. No. Oh yeah. yeah. There's no booth next to a bathroom. <laughs> um, and since we're both at water boys, mm-hmm. how do you feel about the Dunkin' Donuts coming in? I have to tell you a story about that. Mm. <laughs> you have a Dunkin' story? Yeah. I, so, when I grew up, I grew up in New York, and then I moved to Florida, and I was surrounded by amazing bagels. Like, my whole childhood, we just had great bagels. Um, mm-hmm. In New York, we went to this place, Stuffin' Bagels, on Long Island, which was near where I grew up. And then in Boca Raton, there's a place called Bagel Works that had incredible bagels. And so I just grew up on great bagels. And when I moved to Atlanta for college, I couldn't find a good bagel, but there was a Dunkin' Donuts on my street. So I would go there and get their toasted sesame bagel cream cheese which when I first had it was like one of the most disgusting things. I was <laughs> horrified by it. I was like, this is not a bagel. Mm-hmm. What have you done? Yeah. This Who is do a these crime against humanity. think they are. But gradually, it's amazing how you can grow accustomed to something if you do it enough. So I would go mm. there enough. Cocaine? I, yeah. So I Hatred? Grew, grew to really like their bagel. And for years, I would go there and get like a bagel at Dunkin' Donuts and kind of enjoy it. Yeah. And then... Like this, me with Del Taco. Del Taco, yeah. So like years... Then years went by, and then this Dunkin' Donuts just opened up in our neighborhood, and I was like, I'm going to go there and get a bagel and cream cheese and like an iced coffee and reminisce about that feeling of being in college. Side question, did you get a coupon in the mail? No, did you? We got a, we got a Dunkin' coupon. What was it for? Free iced coffee and then Bang. a bagel and cream cheese for... Oh my God, I could have had a whole free meal. Yeah. Well, I had it, and it, it was d- terrible. It was terrible. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> What was I ever thinking? Although LA just doesn't have. Good well, where's your favorite bagel in LA? I feel I like guess Wexler's Deli. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wexler's is probably Grand Central West. Market. Yep. But what about the best, just regular, non like hipster, modern bagel in Bro- LA? In LA, I haven't found it. I haven't found Brooklyn a great bagels. Big... Brooklyn, yeah, Brooklyn bagels. Is that the one that's like on La Brea? Or... Temple. It's on Temple. It's, it's kind in of Silver Lake. It's, it's weird. It's not. There's no tables. It's literally just like a storefront. Is it Brooklyn? Ba- I haven't even heard of it. Very good. Yeah, it's on town. Do you know like where the tennis courts are in Echo Park on right by the 101? Oh yeah, I like do. by Echo Park. Wait, it's like, Echo Park. It's like Echo Park. Yeah, it's like then, Echo maybe. Park. Oh, okay. Echo Park. But there's oh, yeah. uh, it's like a place where you can order. You just like go pick up a dozen, and mm-hmm. then there's like cream cheeses and stuff like that. Wow. But right. it's it's like strictly takeout. But that sounds good. Have you guys been using Postmates at all? I have. I'm like I haven't obsessed used it yet. with it, and, and to the point where like my bank account is like slowly draining because <laughs> it's so expensive. But it's, they bring you whatever it's you want. It's messed up how much money you end up spending. I thought it wasn't that expensive. I'm, I'm con- well, I, like, I haven't used it yet. It's so. incredible. I mean, I, I'm so spoiled by it that like I'll use it for like things that are like a walk away on the other side of our neighborhood, like the falafel place, or you know, it's like I'll okay. use Postmates to bring it over if I'm really lazy. Right. So I've Postmates to Dune before. Yeah. You have. I have. You have not. Yeah, it's a great thing. It's like it's it dude, feels amazing. Yeah, you're just dude, sitting at home on. and you're eating this incredible hummus and falafel. Um, but, but it's it's tough when you're because it's not that expensive. Like yeah. the delivery charge isn't, but just somehow you're like, okay, I want to get this and this and this drink, 
and then you don't think it's going to be that much in your head, and when it, when the total pops up, you're like, oh, yeah. what is it? Like I'm about to spend forty seven dollars on ten percent of your order, and then like seven bucks or something, or I don't know. I haven't even paid attention. I don't know. I if and you then... got to ask, don't use Postmates. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's it's funny because like we we um, really like to Postmates from Al Aqua, which is like the mm-hmm. fancy like pizza place. Yeah. Because it's mm-hmm. nice because you just get these like gourmet pizzas. But it, it's, like the last time we did it, it was just like two pizzas. And I think it was like forty seven dollars. I was like, okay, that's that's not. Okay. I just ate the mushroom pizza from there. Yes, two days ago, the whole pizza by myself. Yeah, What's no problem. You're saying that as if that's like a bad thing. I would, I don't, and I felt totally fine. I didn't yeah. feel full or stuffed or gross or anything. Aren't yeah. you supposed to eat the whole pizza by yourself? <laughs> yeah. That's what I do. The whole yeah. two pizzas by yourself? Oh, two pizzas? You no, said? I didn't. No, I only you had one. Oh, one. Oh, one. Oh, yeah. No, they're like individual size pizzas. Yeah. Uh, oh, you think it's larger than an individual size? I do think so. Oh, wow. See, to me, Postmates, having not used it, and also like... We're all know, so fat. Um, <laughs> it's like the, the one Postmates order that blew my mind was when our friend Dan, who's been on the podcast, Postmated Kyochan from Koreatown, the fried chicken place. Oh, I've never been there. Because to me, it's like... That is, I mean, everybody has their favorites, but nobody dislikes Kyochan. Like some people argue about the wings at Obi Bear or the Prince, and they're all different and great. But Kyochan as a baseline is better than like any fried chicken for the most part, you know, in LA, or mm-hmm. better than ninety nine percent of it. And to get it delivered like on a day of like a football game, mm-hmm. and you're just like, yeah. yes, that is phenomenal. Well, I think on Sunday I'm gonna Postmates Brooklyn Bagel because there wake you up on go. A Sunday morning, yes. you have bagels, they have great locks too. Mm-hmm. Locks. Great locks. I mean, that's gonna be great. Yeah, it's really good. You know where I live, so you can come get some. Mm. <laughs> can you can you show me where he lives? <laughs> I can. Point to you where I live. Over there. Oh yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Do you live in this neighborhood too? I live in Los Feliz, but yeah. Oh, okay. Close enough. Cool. Yeah, yeah, bagels though, like LA. I feel like there's a real demand. I think if you like open a really cool, in fact, it's happening right now. This guy has a truck called Yeasty Boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I had their bagels pretty good. And, and he's opening a storefront in West Hollywood. I, I saw but that. I think we're we're also right now coming out of like a post no carb lifestyle. So you think we're like but pizza, in food trends? Pasta, was like huge. But, yeah, I mean, still huge, but you know, and I think the the guy that got the real hard hit was the bagel during the no carb era because mm-hmm. it was like, all right, you can make an argument for pasta or pizza, like this is phenomenal, this is great, this is dinner. But when you're like, just skip the bagel in the morning, you're like, hmm, okay, I guess I can. And there do are that. all these reports that are saying like one bagel is the equivalent of seven slices of bread, right. like, in carbs or yeah. whatever. I think the don't bagel tell got me these hit things. hard. But I but I feel like now that we're in, yeah, like the post processed carbs and breads and pastas world where like like how i was able to eat that whole pizza and feel totally fine whereas if i ate a whole pizza from pizza hut or something like that i would feel like shit oh right it's kind of like people are are now embracing like it's okay to eat bread if you're using quality ingredients absolutely nice whole flowers well i think la is such a conflicted town because it's like people obviously like are health conscious here and they're drinking juices and they're at the gym all the time and doing cleanses but then on the flip side, it's like you have like donuts and you have yeah. uh, like burgers and it's like there's like a real like, you know, um, I was about to say whore Madonna, but that's not the right thing. But it's sort of like, it's, <laughs> but I guess in a way it is. It's sort of like, you know, people who eat disgustingly and just. Well, they, yeah. they do. They go to the gym and have the press juice after doing cocaine for four hours the mm-hmm. night before and eating at Mozo. So right. it's like, yeah, like, right, no, it's, just like it's constant like back and forth. But that's how it is. I mean, just from. Not for myself, but for a lot of people, maybe girlfriends. Like when you are like, I'm trying, you know, I'm on a diet, I'm going to lose weight. 
I'm just going to have juice and one pizza and salad every day. And like when when you deprive yourself of regular food for so long, like the only thing you want is a bacon donut with mm-hmm. a panda bear frosting on it and mm-hmm. just well, the ex- most gnarly shit, you know. I just want I just want carne asada nachos with bacon right. donuts and there's no like there's no middle ground. And then as soon as you eat that carne asada nacho bacon donut the next morning you're like, I'm just having water for the rest of my life. Yeah, it's like a constant state of like self like punishment, you know, or like punishment and reward. Reward, I guess. yeah. Well, it's funny because in the writers' room, I started out. So I came from my, like I got married in May, and then I started the job in June. And I, leading up to the wedding, had like been the healthiest I'd ever been in my life. I was going to the gym like five days a week. I was drinking smoothies. I was eating like chicken breast. Like I was being very good. And so I was like, when I start this writers' room job, like I'm gonna just keep this going. Like I'm gonna keep going no to way. the gym. I'm gonna do no this. way. And like, and it's interesting because like that's kind of the culture of the room these days. Is like people are pretty health conscious, you know, like, you know, even writers on a TV show. But what happens is like 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 a couple weeks in, it's like you're there late at night, and they have all the snacks in the room, like Trader Joe's, like kettle corn or yes. Uh, and you're like, oh, I'll just open it back. And then I can't tell you, like my decline was so rapid, and so <laughs> to the point where I stopped going to the gym completely. I would yep. just eat whatever I wanted and I'm yep. still sort of there now like even though the job uh, the room ended in November I just to get back into that really healthy lifestyle after eating crap for weeks and well, weeks it's gotta be hard it's like okay so that's why and this happens <laughs> to me all the time where I tr- also try to eat healthy I don't usually have anything in the house that's a snack like you know if there's chips it's bought for an occasion because we're watching football or something mm-hmm. like there's never like crackers chips potato chips anything and then, you know, production starts and craft service is there and it's got nothing but red vines and potato mm. chips and Doritos and everything. You're just like, first two or three days, you're like, no, not going to do it, buddy. <laughs> and then you have that first bag and that second bag. Or you're in the writer's room, they're like, we're ordering from here today. And right. you're like, I could have a what salad. What do you want from Jones on third, Adam? Yeah, yeah. But what looks oh, really oh. good today is but not sometimes, the like, salad. It, it was funny, though, also, though, like, sometimes, like, they would be like, like the the showrunners are like treat us like juice. They're like we're gonna go to like a nice juice place and get everyone a juice. But like the problem with that is like you drink this like green juice in this room <laughs> and you have to sit in that room for six more hours and like it makes my I don't know if it upsets your stomach when you drink something like that. But like it's so acidic. Well, we're and so, we're not Jewish, so no. oh no, but it's like it's prime in the pump. Yeah, well, it's just it's like wait, I don't yeah, know if yeah. I want to drink this like whatever it's supposed to right. do to you, like, well, I have to, like, sit in a room with other people sure. the rest Can of the I day. Can I get a bowel wrecker? <laughs> yeah. That's basically, I mean, basically, I may as well call it that. Wait, no, a bowel wrecker with apple juice. Yeah, Not exactly. carrot juice. Yeah, so okay, thanks. juice is kind of hard to drink. In thanks, David. Room. Appreciate it. You're the best, David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're such a rock star. You're a rock star um, for getting us juice, David. You're the best. <laughs> Lastly, we're going to talk about the best thing we ate all week. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. I brought one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with uh on easter andre made a nice big easter feast i did with all not um you know not religious but growing up uh italian easter was like as big as christmas as far as like everybody came lots of people Mm -hmm. um so i made um, the wine (laughs) i made i sous vide a rack of lamb um, you sous vide a rack of lamb? Wow, yeah. so do you have a sous vide machine? I, well, I have a... Um, yeah, it's not like the whole... It's I have a um, cooler, a uh-huh. thermos cooler, and then like the little thing that... Like the sous vide, but it's not like... I'm not describing this well. No, no, I get but, like, it. It's so not, I don't have like, like... The temperature of the water. Right, but yeah, I, have, yeah, like, yeah. I have like the little clip-on sous vide, not like an actual sous vide machine. So you put the lamb in there, you let it... How long did it take to... An hour. 
at 130 degrees. And then you took it out and you seared it? Yep. Wow. Exactly. That's so cool. Yeah. Do you have a sous vide? No. Get Ew. a sous vide. I'm Ugh. curious. Yeah. No, I, I, I thought about it, but I just... I, I'm, I was curious to hear like how you pulled it off. It seems like something I would have a hard time. I doing. think. Look, Jason's the first one, the first person I know that actually had a home sous vide, and I think it's it. It really does sound slightly intimidating, and yeah. you do it once, you're like, this is actually easier than cooking this normally. Right, because you're just like bathing it. And, like, yeah, you put warm water, salt, pepper, a little olive oil, um, some rosemary, and some thyme, mm-hmm. and a couple gar- garlic cloves, and then just put it, set it, and forget it mm-hmm. for an hour, and you're done. And you wow. sear it real quick. It's really it's it is great. really fun for like cooking cooking meats or vegetables that can absorb flavors because mm-hmm. whenever you I'm doing steaks tonight. Oh. But let me ask you a question: Like when you took it out of the sous vide, if you it looks gray it, and disgusting, and you're like, oh god, what happened? Oh really? But if you if you'd sliced into it, then would it be pink on the inside? Well, okay, so there's an area called the gray zone when you're cooking meat, right? Okay. Where what they say is. It's very hard to get something like that's a delicate like a rack of lamb and also kind of larger in size when you think about the center to outside ratio. So the gray zone is where you're overcooking the meat to get the center pink. So the sous vide never goes up to a temperature above what you're trying to get it to. Okay. So it creates a perfect medium rare the entire way through, or whatever temperature you want it at. Uh-huh. But at 130 is a perfect medium rare. But then when you take it out and you sear it, does that take it beyond you, the... I mean, you're searing it so quickly, and hopefully it's such a high heat, that all it's doing is a crust. It's not even enough time to affect okay. the internal temperature. That was my main question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah like where you, when you have a, a medium rare steak that you cook on a grill... The inside will be pink, and then the outside of it will be like severely well done. Right, right, right. But you know, some people like that. So that was the best thing you ate this week. Was his? No, the best thing I well, he made a bunch of stuff, but the best thing I ate was his uh, rice torta. That was mm. my favorite thing. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, it's called a torta de riso, which is an Italian dish, um, and it can be either savory or sweet. A lot of times, you'll find the recipes for desserts. But it was something growing up that like. You know, I, I don't know what you would have in your family. Everybody's got something that's always on the table. Mm-hmm. And so Bagels. my grandmother always had a torta de riso out, which is basically um, really simple. Rice, eggs, Parmesan cheese, and whatever you want to put in it. So um, it can be a couple spoonfuls of pesto and whatever vegetables about to turn. So you grab all the chard you haven't eaten that week. Wow, and you, you that sauté that with garlic and onion and fold it all in and bake it. And so is it like kind of crusty on the outside? Exactly. Is it like... Gooey on the inside, or no, it? no. It's usually well. I mean, I guess you could try to get it there, but no. It's it. It it's feels kind of like, like a, if a quiche. Do you have any left? left? Had a bunch of rice. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Um, and so that was like so. Whatever vegetables were turning, or whatever was like about to spoil, you just cook everything and throw it into eggs, cheese, and parmesan. Oh, that, yeah, that looks amazing. Here we can break the stew rule. Would you like a bite? Oh, no, it's no, good. You, cool. you, I do want to try it, but I don't want to chew on your microphone because people will be. <laughs> it's, so made, it's, it's better if it's not cold, but it is. But it is I, I always liked it cold as a kid. Mm. But you can toast it, and wow. yeah. So there's arugula and chard, pecorino romano, eggs. What's that? That's probably the red part. Yeah, that's the chard stems. Oh, chard stems. So, wow, that's delicious. So you break the leaves off, and something like this, it's baking long, and also kind of you've got so much rice and eggs. I'll do the. I'll saute the chard stems with it just for texture and a little bit of flavor. And I and I've been making a very similar version of this for the last couple of years. Whenever I get um, Persian food yeah, leftovers, the, the Persian when I go Persian. to Rafi over there in Glendale, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll make the same exact thing. Where I'll just take all the Persian rice 
with mix it up with eggs and then like chunked up kebab meat and onions and whatever else is in there. But then uh, I'll line the pan with the the leftover lavash, like the really thin flatbread. Line that mm-hmm. so like that creates like a crust on it as well. So it's like really it's like a pie. It's like a Persian pie. And we had a P and Barnett's ham, which I had to fight for early in the morning. So in the farmer's market in Hollywood, there's a stand there, P and Barnett's, which does Berkshire pork, humanely raised and slaughtered. And uh, so they weren't doing whole hams, but they had like a nice three-pound center-cut ham. Hmm. So we had that. Where did you have? Little mini wedge salads. It was adorable. Roast blood uh, orange mimos. Yeah, that was really. Those were really good. And then uh, roast baby potatoes with sunchokes. Wait, you made uh, blood orange mimosas? Yeah, but so my, I've got like, okay, I'm obsessed with the Hollywood Farmer's Market because one, it's not in Santa Monica, and <laughs> two, I think it's almost as good. Yeah. And I have all my favorite stands, and there's one juice stand, um, they're out of Ojai, and they have the most amazing citrus juices. Uh, seasonally, he's got a grapefruit that I think is maybe the most amazing thing I've ever drank. Really? Uh, but right now, he's got blood orange tangerine, and it's, it was just like... So you was, just poured that into a, a champagne glass and put champagne on top? Yeah. Okay, I was just curious. It was good enough, man. I mean, it was yeah, like, that, no fancier than that. So that was, what was the best thing from your... Is that the best thing you had this week? Was your No. No, no, no. Oh. Go for it. Uh, I went to Crawford's. Bang. Because oh. you've been sleeping on me for like three weeks. What's Crawford's? So our friend Dustin Lancaster, who I was actually talking about earlier, opened um, a... I think took over a bar. It was an existing bar, but it's uh, beer and fried chicken in Silver Lake on Beverly. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's really good. Really? It is really, really good. Um, they do. It's it's so it's so great too. This, I was I went with our friend Scott, and I was saying to him the happiest I get when I go to a restaurant is when the menu has like five things. Oh, okay. So this is like so the menu is literally hot, not hot. Like I mean, spicy, not spicy. Dark white coleslaw beans. And I was like, this is a, this is the exact. Fried chicken mm-hmm. restaurant and I want to go um, to. Waiters and waitresses, or you order at the bar and then they bring it to you. Okay. And I didn't actually ask too much. Um, I kind of forgot. I think they opened with a kitchen, and now the Dante's fried chicken is out in front of it. So mm. you can go. You can order from the truck uh, if you don't want to go into the bar. Because I saw people walking by and ordering, and they kind of had you know like the thing up, like a food truck would be open for business. Mm. Or you can just order at the bar, and they give you a little number and bring it to you. Ten bucks. Sounds great. Uh, it, it was it was excellent, and also I do like beer, but I also like cheap beer sometimes too. Um, like a, so, I drank Budweiser the whole night, but they have the coldest Budweiser. Like it's <laughs> basically a beer slushy when it comes out. Really, and that's like that's the time when like cheap domestic beer actually really is great. Yeah, eating, when it's eating like spicy frozen. fried chicken with yeah, a yeah. with a frozen. That sounds awesome. Beer. That was great. It was great. We'll go. Okay. Yeah. We got to go. We got a booth. They have booths. That's <laughs> oh, the yeah. beautiful thing. I think it's only booths in a bar. Ooh, it's yes. like the bar and then like, yeah. And they've got Buck Hunter and a pool table. It's mm-hmm. great. It's kind of everything you want in a bar. Awesome. All right. Except yeah. whiskey. No whiskey. <laughs> all right, Adam. Uh, Best we thing you ate all week. Connie and Ted's last night. We went oh, there. Nice. So I had their buttered rolls uh, and their those? New England clam chowder. And I kind of like dipped the roll in the clam chowder. Mm-hmm. And that was really good. That's that sounds really good. good. Yeah, because they're, they're, they're kind of like these Parker House rules. So they come out like in a cast iron skillet, and they're like glistening with butter and salt. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say, um, we both got the lobster roll there. 
and it's like $26 a lobster roll. And I was not crazy about it. I thought it was just okay. And I've had a lot of lobster rolls in my life. I didn't have a lot of flavor. I felt a little ripped off. I feel like it. lobster rolls are almost always overrated and never worth the money. Yeah, but I felt like I needed like salt or lemon juice or something. It just was a little Damn. bland. But the Parker House rolls and the New England clam chowder were fantastic. My yeah, my girlfriend's from Maine, so uh, we go out every couple years or a couple times every year, and um, I found to be like the best lobster roll is the simplest lobster roll. Yeah, yeah. Like the one at a gas station can be the best one you've uh-huh. ever eaten. Interesting. Yeah. And I think the ones that are like. Twelve dollars instead of twenty six dollars. Probably yeah. it's going to be it's going to be better. Yeah. Also, but th- yeah, that's the thing. You can buy a twelve dollar lobster roll. You can also buy a seven dollar lobster roll. Mm-hmm. Right. I right, mean, right. it's like I mean, even less than that. So. Well, New York has a pearl oyster bar. Uh, I've been to Pearl. Yeah, it has, to me like has the best lobster roll I've ever had, and it's also expensive. It's not cheap, but that is definitely a twenty eight dollar lobster. Yeah, roll. but you get like a big mound of. Um, yeah. And the thing is, like, she has this like brioche bun that she kind of like toasts in butter, which they did at Connie and Ted's, but somehow. It wasn't quite as good. But it's also served in that East Coast split bun, which is, yes. I talk about a lot, being the superior bun. Absolutely. For hot dogs and lobster rolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I've never seen a lobster roll in a hot, like a West Coast mm-hmm. American hot dog bun. Mm-hmm. But if I did, I would spit on it. <laughs> yeah, the square, it's ideal. It'll never roll over on you. Yeah. yeah no, and Doghouse in, in Burbank and Pasadena uses a split bun like oh, that. really? It's like... People who know. I still haven't gone to uh, Knuckle and Claw. Have you gone there? No, on, on Sunset? Yeah. I have not been. Curious. That's probably pretty no, I've never been. Not that curious. Oh, well, there you go. I feel like if it really was that good, we would have heard about it by now. Mm. All right, yeah. It's true. You're damn right. All right, <laughs> Adam. Thank you so much for doing this show. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. A real treat. Yeah. Um, if people want to find you online, hey Instagram. Adam Rob- hey, Adam Roberts on Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, that's basically it. And yeah. internet. And internet, yeah. Point com. I changed it from Amateur Gourmet to my name, which I don't know if that was a good idea, but I was trying to move away from the food blog. I like, I like Hey Adam Rada. It's good. I think it's a good handle. Okay, mm-hmm. thanks. Yeah, Let's we'll see. It. We'll see if it serves me. TheStewPodcast.com is our website where all the episodes live. If you like the show, tell a friend on iTunes, subscribe, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm at them jeans on social media if you want to follow me there. And the comment bar has no social media. I don't have any. And we'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Bye-bye.